Welcome to Let's Talk FCA, presented by Crowell & Morin. I'm your host, Mona Lombardo, bringing you the latest developments with the False Claims Act. Today we're joined by special guests, Will Chang and Yuan Zhou. Will is a partner in Kroll's healthcare and white collar and regulatory enforcement groups. Prior to joining Kroll, Will worked at the fraud section of the DOJ's criminal division, where he was a founding member of the corporate healthcare fraud strike force. And Yuan is an associate in the Kroll Government Contracts Group. Welcome back to the podcast, Will, and a warm welcome to you as well, Yuan. Thank you much for joining us today. Thanks, Mana. Happy to be here. And early happy Thanksgiving to both of you and to all of our listeners. We've invited Will and Yuan to today's podcast to discuss a recent article they wrote, along with co-authors Laura Cordova of Kroll and Mooring and myself. The article is entitled, our government and healthcare contracts, the exception that swallows the brand memo's rule on FCA enforcement. It addresses the impact of the brand memo in the months since the Department of Justice issued it, focusing on FCA enforcement. So as you may recall, at the beginning of the year, DOJ issued the brand memo, limiting the use of agency guidance documents in affirmative civil enforcement cases. The brand memo further developed a November 2017 guidance policy memorandum issued by then Attorney General Jeff Sessions, which prohibited the Department of Justice components from issuing guidance documents that effectively bind the public without undergoing the notice and comment rulemaking process. So the brand memo made it clear that agency guidance documents do not create binding requirements that do not already exist by statute or regulation. As mentioned, the policy applies in the civil enforcement context and DOJ explicitly specified it includes enforcement of False Claims Act. So, agency guidance documents cannot create additional legal obligations for enforcing or establishing FCA liability. And here we are, almost a year after the brand memo was issued. Will, can you start us off by describing the question being explored in the article? Absolutely. The brand memo leaves open a very important question that applies to nearly all government contractors, and this also includes contractors that work with the government in the Medicare and Medicaid space. And it stems from the brand memo's definition of what constitutes guidance. According to the memo, a guidance document means any agency statement of general applicability in future effect. Well, for a government contract or a Medicare enrollment contract, for example, those are not agency statements of general applicability. Yet those contracts often include a catch-all provision where the private party certifies that it will comply with all of the agency's pertinent guidance. So for government contracts then, one could take the position on the relator side or on the DOJ enforcement side that the FCA action is not based on noncompliance with agency guidance per se. Instead, it is based on noncompliance with a contractual attestation to comply with agency guidance. If that interpretation is correct, and again, that question has not been answered by the brand memo, the Department of Justice, or any other sources, but if that interpretation is correct, then brand memo really would have no teeth in this area. Okay, thanks, Will. So let's start unpacking some of the questions and issues raised here. Yuan, under the brand memo, what happens when the government contract requires the contractor to abide by all agency guidance? 
It's a great question, Mana. So as Will just mentioned, government contracts commonly include these catch-all certifications that require contractors to abide by agency guidance. Now, what does that look like? For example, in the Medicare context, providers have to agree to abide by all Medicare laws, regulations, and program instructions, as well as all applicable conditions of participation in Medicare. Now, similarly, in contracts with federal agencies, such as the Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA often requires contractors to comply with all federal laws, regulations, standards, and VA directives and handbooks. Now, these things, these program instructions, directives, handbooks, they all fit squarely within the brand memo's definition of guidance. So then, according to the brand memo, FCA enforcement can't be based on the alleged noncompliance with these types of guidance. But there's a difference when a government contract incorporates that guidance and a private party agrees to comply with it by entering into a government contract. Now, in that latter instance, arguably, FCA enforcement isn't based on noncompliance with guidance per se, but it's based on noncompliance with a bargained for contractual obligation. So something our article looks at is under the brand memo, whether FCA enforcement is on or off the table for noncompliance with incorporated guidance. Thanks, Yuan. Well, that's actually a really great segue to my next question. Will, the article points out that the brand memo likely prohibits guidance-based FCA enforcement, even when a government contract generally incorporates guidance with a catch-all certification. What does that mean? There's two types of incorporated guidance that we discuss in the article and that appear in government contracts. The first are what we refer to as generally incorporated guidance. This is guidance that's not identified in the government contract. Instead, it's something that's caught through a catch-all provision where a private party agrees to comply with, for example, all instructions. Now, to allow that type of incorporated guidance to be a basis for FCA enforcement would defeat the entire purpose of the brand memo because that provides, given that most government contracts include these type of provisions, and the purpose of the brand memo, in part, is to make sure that all such rulemaking, especially when it can be a basis for FCA enforcement, has to undergo the APA's notice and comment procedures, as well as provide fair notice, those purposes would be undermined if that generally incorporated guidance can still be a basis for FCA enforcement. The same argument just won't apply or does not apply the same force when one talks about specifically incorporated guidance. This is guidance where the government contract identifies the specific piece of paper that lays out the obligations of the parties. Great. Thanks, Will. So moving along to how some of this has played out recently, after the brand memo, the DOJ's FCA enforcement tactics changed in one of its most high-profile cases. Yuan, can you tell us about how the department switched gears in the United States XREL polling v. United Health Group matter? Sure. Now, polling was filed under QTAM provisions, and it involved allegations that a healthcare provider was receiving inflated risk adjustment payments based on untruthful or inaccurate information about the health status of beneficiaries enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan. Now, the government intervened, and pre-brand memo, the DOJ's complaint broadly alleged 
that Medicare Advantage organizations have to comply with requirements that are set forth in statutes, such as the FCA, and also with guidance documents, such as the Medicare Managed Care Manual, the Medicare Prescription Drug Benefit Manual, and the Medicare Advantage Operating Instructions. But after the brand memo's release, the word guidance disappeared. It did not appear in the DOJ's summary judgment motion, and DOJ also stopped alleging that Medicare Advantage organizations must comply with requirements set forth in guidance documents. Instead, the DOJ narrowed its allegations to noncompliance with the obligations that are contained in specific guidance, namely the Medicare Managed Care Manual that was expressly incorporated into all of the government contracts. Thanks, Yuan. So, yeah, that's really interesting. It'll be fascinating for us to continue to monitor whether or not we see the DOJ repeatedly narrowing its allegations in order to comply with brand memo policy. Turning to kind of the ultimate conclusion regarding the impact of the brand memo, Yuan, tell us what we should be looking for in the FCA enforcement context going forward, and what is the ultimate conclusion regarding the brand memo? Well, given the history and the purpose of the memo and the enforcement practices under it, and as we've seen in polling, these are all encouraging signs that the DOJ is not going to rely on catch-all certifications, general certifications, to circumvent the brand memo. But there is still uncertainty surrounding government contracts, incorporated guidance, and FCA enforcement, and it would benefit all to have DOJ take a definitive position on that important issue. This analysis of express incorporation versus general incorporation doesn't just make sense as a question of fair notice. The APA's notice and comment rulemaking and separation of powers, it also makes sense as a practical matter if we put ourselves in the shoes of an FCA prosecutor or a key TAM relator. Then Judge Gorsuch, writing for unanimous Tenth Circuit, summarized the heart of this problem the best in a case discussing CMS's guidance on what homebound is for home health services under the Medicare plan. It's a 2016 decision called Caring Hearts Personal Home Services versus Burwell. There, then Judge Gorsuch wrote that the unrestrained issuance of guidance at CMS has created a strange world where the government itself, the very expert agency responsible for promulgating the law, no less, seems unable to keep pace with its own frenetic rulemaking, a world Madison worried about long ago, a world in which the laws are so voluminous they cannot be read, the constitutional norms of due process, fair notice, and even the separation of powers seems very much at stake. In that decision, the Tenth Circuit also noted that CMS over the years couldn't keep their own guidance straight and took conflicting positions. So as a practical matter, if you're in the shoes of someone trying to prosecute an FCA case, there's simply no way to establish, or it would be very difficult to establish mens rea, reckless behavior or knowing behavior for FCA claim under those circumstances. So the brand memo also makes sense as a practical matter. There's fair notice, there's due process, there's the APA's notice and comment rulemaking process. There's also just a consideration of these cases are unlikely or are very difficult to be made. And so, just end them at the very beginning, perhaps using the Granston memo, 
and avoid all the costs that these cases impose on all parties, the court, the government, and defendants alike. Okay, so thank you for that analysis on some of the practical effects that we may see or perhaps some could hope for, I would say, under the brand memo. You also mentioned earlier today that the brand memo's impact is going to be seen not only on FCA healthcare matters, but also in FCA matters in traditional government contracting. Do you, Will, is this analysis any different in those two spaces? The brand memo does not distinguish between healthcare government contracts and more traditional government contracts. The False Claims Act does not either. And both the healthcare contracts that we have seen in the Medicare space, as well as the more traditional government contracts with DOD, VA, for example, they similarly include these catch-all provisions. So the analysis that we have here applies to both. Okay, well, thank you for that. That is all for today's episode. We want to thank Yuan and Will for joining us today and sharing their recent article and their thoughts on how the brand memo has impacted FCA enforcement and what we can expect going forward. A link to the article can be found at kroll.com slash news events slash publications or at the Kroll biography page of any of the authors. In addition, if you have any questions, I can be reached at 213-443-5563, Will at 202-624-2730, and you on at 202-624-2666. We'll see you next time on Let's Talk FCA. Let's Talk FCA is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash podcasts. Mm -hmm.